0: Do you want to multiply disciples of Jesus, take cities for God, ignite mighty prayer movements and spark a third great awakening in the United States? You have come to the right place. If you long to see people love Jesus passionately, live in purity and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, this is what we do. My goal is to encourage and invest in the move of God happening in South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota, Iowa, and Nebraska. This is the Five State Revival Podcast. Welcome to the Five State Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Mann. I am filled with the joy of the Lord today. I'm feeling so thankful to Jesus. It's a beautiful, nice, cool autumn day. I'm sitting in my warm, toasty office, drinking a good cup of tea with a really good smelling apple cinnamon candle burning. So I'm excited and ready to record this podcast. We're going to have three segments in today's episode. In segment one, I will give you an encouraging update about the Tent America event that just happened throughout our region. In segment two, I will share an exhortation about the importance of being a person who faithfully preaches God's word when it is popular and when it's not popular. Finally, in segment three, I will talk about how to utilize the grace of confession as you seek to live in sexual purity. Now, let's go ahead and dive into segment number one. For those of you who don't know, last week in our country here in the United States of America, thousands of followers of Jesus gathered in every single state capital. That's all 50 states and on 100 college campuses around our country to worship Jesus and to pray for a great awakening in our nation. They did this all at the same time the, for 50 continuous hours. They gathered in every state capitol on all those college campuses. And I believe in Puerto Rico, uh, they were gathered there as well, worshiping Jesus there. I, I was so privileged to be able to participate in this event. It was a really awesome time. I was in uh, Pierce, South Dakota, the state capital for South Dakota, and uh, participating there. One of the cool testimonies that really touched my heart, other than the fact that I just got to tell you, from the very beginning, I mean as soon as we started the first worship set, there was this rich abiding presence of God that really never left the tent. I mean, his presence was there. It was so easy to sit in his presence and just enjoy him and worship him. And there were, I would guess just in South Dakota, we probably had two to 300 believers from all over the state that gathered together over the course of those 50 hours. And it was so fun to get to talk with these awesome people from around the state who love the Lord. And you can actually get on Facebook and just type in uh, Awaken the Dawn and you can watch videos that were posted from the worship tents in the different states around uh, our nation. I did that. You'll be so encouraged just watching passionate followers of Jesus, just giving them their all, giving him their all as they worship the Lord together. And this happened all at the same time all around our nation. One of the cool testimonies testimonies that happened at the South Dakota tent was there was a lady who showed up and she testified that as she walked up from her car to the tent, um, she uh, had this experience where she actually saw in the spirit and she saw an angel. She said it was the angel over South Dakota. She called it the South Dakota angel that was hovering, uh, standing tall over the tent. And then she saw four warring angels, warrior angels that were positioned at the four corners, uh, standing guard around the tent. And then she said that as we would pray and make decrees in the tent, um, she saw just m- m- many angels that had swords drawn that would shoot out and go forth in different directions from the tent to carry out and, fu- and uh, the word of the Lord, to carry out the the prayers that had just been prayed in the tent. I love this. You know, when she shared that testimony, um, I just want to say this. I believe it. I really do believe it. In fact, when I heard that testimony, I thought, you know, that's exactly the type of angelic presence I would expect to be at a gathering like this. I mean, are you kidding? When I don't know if it's ever been done, When believers gather together for 50 hours of continuous worship in every state capital all at the same time, I don't know if that's ever been done before in our nation. That's a huge thing. I would fully expect a gathering like that, that an angel assigned by God uh, to be in charge of executing his plans over South Dakota, I would expect that angel to show up at a gathering like that. And I would expect there to be warrior angels. And I would expect there to be other angels that are going forth in response to our prayers to carry out the word of the Lord. So anyway, that encouraged me. I hope it encourages you. I want to just say this. The prayer movement is giving birth to a missions movement in our region. It's already happening. I believe that right now we are at the beginning of a million soul harvest in our region that, um, I'm praying, we're going to see it unfold in the next 10 to 15 years, but we are at the beginning of it. I believe we're already in the the beginning uh, phases of that million soul harvest. So this is a time to free yourself from carnal worldly entanglements and consecrate yourself to Christ and his mission of making disciples in all the nations. God is raising up a beautiful bride who will be equally yoked with Jesus in passion, purity, and power. I remember, and I'll just finish this segment by uh, sharing this testimony. Years ago, I was med—I was reading the scriptures and I was meditating on being the bride of Christ and what that meant. And as I did, as I contemplated that, this thought came to me that I was—I thought, what is a wedding? A wedding is the joining together of two lives as one. And then I thought, wow, the fact that we are the bride of Christ, we are joined together as one with Jesus. Like the two shall become one. I mean, that's just a mind boggling thought to me. What a privilege, what an honor. And as I was meditating on that and my heart was thrilled with joy, just thinking about that, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And uh, this is what he says. Uh, Jesus said to me, he said, Jeff, he says, it's true. He says, but I I will not be unequally yoked. And he says, I will marry a bride that is as passionately in love with me as I am with her, that walks in the same level of purity that I myself walk in, and that walks in my power and authority, um, building my kingdom with me. And you know, right now, the bride of Christ in many places around the world, especially in the United States of America, does not love Jesus with the same passion that he loves us. And uh, you know, we love him, but you know, we love a bunch of other stuff too. And uh, but he is doing a work right now in his church around the world where he is going to bring us to a place where we are equally yoked with him in passion in purity and in power. So this is an awesome season to give ourselves fully to Jesus and participate in the great harvest at the end of the age. Now let's go ahead and get into segment number two. All right, in this segment today, I just want to give you um, a brief exhortation about the importance of being a person who preaches the Word of God and sticks to the plain message and teaching that's described in the Word of God uh, when it's popular and when it's unpopular. You know, I uh, just want to start off by I'm not going to read the scripture, but I want to give you seven benefits of good Bible teaching, and these are all taken directly, word for word, from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. So I'm not going to read the scripture because of time's sake, I encourage you to look it up later, but I want to just list to you seven benefits of regularly uh, getting the word of God into us that are listed in this scripture. Number one, the scriptures, it says, gives us wisdom to receive salvation. Two, the scriptures are all inspired by God himself. Three, the scriptures teach us what is true. How important is that? Four, the scriptures scriptures make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Number five, the scriptures correct us when we are wrong. Praise God, we need that. Number six, the scriptures teach us to do what is right. I love that so much. I want to be a person of righteousness. And finally, number seven, the scriptures prepare and equip us to do every good work that God has for us to do. And these are all outlined and that's in 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. And you know, these are the seven benefits of getting God's word into us regularly and listening to good Bible preaching and being a person who teaches the word of God to others. You know, if you'll be a person who teaches what the scriptures say, preaches the word to other people, the, God will bring forth these seven benefits in the lives of those who listen to you. So I wanna continue with, and I wanna read to you 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse one through five. Paul continues, I solemnly urge you, in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who listen to this, who will someday judge the living and the dead when He comes to set up his kingdom, preach the Word. I just I, I just want to stop right there before I continue reading and just talk about this you know Paul's writing to Timothy and after outlining the seven benefits of of teaching the word of God and having the word of God he then gives this solemn exhortation he says I solemnly urge you i'm in in the presence of the Lord in the authority of the Lord he says one day Timothy you are going to give an account to God for your teaching and for the way that you influenced other people. He's gonna judge the living and the dead. And this is what Paul says to Timothy. He says, you make sure that you are preaching the word. Then he continues. He says, be prepared whether the time is favorable or not favorable. I'm going to talk a little bit more about this uh in just a minute. But basically what he's saying there is wh- you know there are times when you're preaching the word and in society people are excited to hear it. They there, and he's like preach it when the season is favorable, when it's popular and people like hearing it and they're hungry to hear it, preach the word. But he says there are also times when it's not popular to preach the word of God and to tell people what the scriptures say, the plain teaching of scripture. We're living in a season like that right now in the United States of America, where many teachings from the scriptures are very unpopular in society. But Paul is telling Timothy, he says, you're going to give an account to God for the way you influence others. So whether it's popular or unpopular, you have one job, you stick to preaching the word. That's what he tells Timothy. Then he continues. He says, patiently, correct Rebuke and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They, I believe right now in the United States of America and really throughout the nations of the world, we're living in this season right now. Paul continues, they will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. How do you do that? How do you, when, when the world is going crazy around you and, and the majority of people in society and the culture are, are going against the truth, they're rejecting the truth of God's word. How do you keep a clear mind? How do I keep a clear mind? And, um, in every situation, How we do it is by staying immersed in the word of God and listening to good Bible teaching and being one who is a good Bible teacher that preaches the word of God. And Paul continues, he says, don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and listen to this, fully carry out the ministry that God has given you. You know, Paul begins this passage by telling him to preach the word when it's popular and when it's not popular. And because we will give an account to God for how we influenced others to believe and obey the word of God. You know, I remember uh, many, many years ago, Uh, I was young in the Lord. I had only been serving Jesus for a year or two, but I got this random anonymous phone call one night. I remember I I was at my house, the phone rang, I answered the phone and some random anonymous person on the other line in this kind of mysterious cryptic talk says, you don't know who I am, but I know who you are. And I know that you believe and follow Jesus. And I'm going, okay. And they they continue, they said, I'm not gonna tell you who I am. Uh, He says, but I have a question for you. And I said, okay. And I'm thinking like, this is a weird phone call. I don't know what's happening right now. And I'm praying silently as I listen to this guy, I'm like, Holy Spirit, give me wisdom to know what to say here. And the guy continues and he says, I I have a friend that, uh, just committed suicide. And, uh... We, we we partied together, we took drugs together, we would drink together, we did all kinds of sin together, and he got to the point where he was sick of his life and he just wanted to end it all and escape, and so he decided he wanted to kill himself. But before my friend killed himself, he he was kind of scared in the back of his mind because he thought, man, if, if the Bible really is true and uh, I'm a sinner... Then if I die, I'd go to hell and that would be even worse than the life I'm living here. So my friend wanted to make sure that he wasn't going to go to hell if he killed himself. So what he did is he went to a pastor, a preacher, and he asked the preacher, he said, you know, preacher, he says, uh, if I die, will I go to heaven? And the the preacher said to him, he says, well, do you believe in Jesus? The guy said, yes, I believe in Jesus. The preacher told him. He says, well, then you don't have to worry about anything. If you die, you're going to go to heaven. So then the, the anonymous caller on the phone said, so the next thing my friend did is he went out and he killed himself. And then this anonymous caller asked me the question on the phone call. He says, now you tell me the truth. He says, is my friend in heaven or is he in hell? And I remember just feeling the weight of that moment when I was on that phone call. And I'm asking the Holy Spirit for instruction. And I responded, By uh, telling him, I said, um, because I I sensed from the Lord, I had a word of knowledge that uh, the guy I was talking to was actually considering killing himself as well and following his friend in suicide. So I said to this guy, I said, listen, um," I said, wherever your friend is right now is there's nothing that anybody can do to change it. So God knows God is a righteous judge. He'll stand before Jesus as a judge and uh, God will make a right choice. But wherever he is, it's too late for him. If he's in heaven, if he's in hell, he can't come back, and nothing anybody can do can change it. But it's not too late for you. And I said to this anonymous caller, I said, I said, God has a plan for your life. You can still turn from your sin and believe and follow Jesus. God will forgive your sins, and you can know God and have eternal life with God in heaven forever. It's not too late for you. Anyway, I ended up as the conversation continued. I figured out who the guy was. I recognized his voice, and um. Ended up, I heard later on that he actually gave his life to Jesus and followed the Lord. And why do I share this story? I share it to you because I, I just, I thought about that preacher who, you know, I wasn't there for that conversation. Maybe there was more to the conversation than that. So I'm, I I want to have mercy on this guy. But, but I think about, um, you know, when, when he told this young man who was contemplating suicide, just... Just told him, yeah, don't worry. All you got to do is believe in Jesus and you'll go to heaven without talking to him about the, what the Bible says about repentance, turning from your sin. And, um, and then the guy goes out and kills himself. But I thought about the, you know, here's the deal that preacher and all of us, uh, we're going to stand before Jesus and give an account for how our words influence people. And are you preaching the word and telling people what the word of God says, even when it's unpopular? I remember uh, around that season of my life, I was, it was my first year of college. I was going to a secular uh, college and uh, I was in a speech class and we had an assignment where everybody had to give a persuasive speech where we had to pick a topic and try to persuade our audience to agree with what we wanted them to think. And then afterward we had to field questions from the audience. And so You know, I chose, I'm like, this is a great opportunity to preach the gospel to the people in my class. And so I taught about how Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, and and there's no way to the Father except through him. He's the only way to salvation, and I did my little five-minute speech on that, and um you know, before I got up, I wasn't the first speech. Other people got up and gave their speeches. I mean, we had people getting up there and talking about sinful things even and trying to persuade people and tell people the coolest way to make the great alcoholic beverage or whatever it is. And uh and then I get up there and you know, nobody says anything. That's fine. And then I get up there and I talk about Jesus being the only way to salvation. And one of the when I took questions at the end of the speech, there was one of the students who said who asked me they said okay so you're if the, if what you say is true they said does that mean that people who are sincere but they're following other religions in the world that all of them are going to hell is that what that means and i answered honestly what the bible says i told her i said yes in front of the whole class i was like yes that's that is true that's what it means i was like the, jesus is the only way to have a relationship with god and to be saved and so even if you're sincere Following other religions and other teachings other than Jesus, uh, you will they will end up in hell. That's why Jesus came, and He wants us to share this message because He wants all people to follow Him and be saved. As soon as I gave that answer, the teacher had been sitting quietly in the back for everybody else's speech. All of a sudden, she becomes enraged. She stands up and shouts. I mean, angry from like rage. At the back of the classroom and yells at me, rebukes me in front of the whole class. And she goes, that is wrong. And I'm just up there, little freshmen thinking, oh my goodness, what in the world? She goes, you just alienated most of your audience by giving that answer. And I responded to her respectfully, but honestly, I said, listen, but I had to tell them the truth. About what Jesus says in his word. You don't want me to stand up here and tell people lies just to get them to like me. I have to tell them the truth. And, you know, I don't know. That was kind of the conversation went on from there. I don't even remember what grade she gave me, but I remember just afterward thinking, I'm so glad that's over with. That was not a fun experience. And one of the students, a lady in the class came up to me privately afterward and she says, you know what? Thank you for telling the truth and being honest. You know, we needed to hear that essentially is what she had said. But you know, why did I, why was I in that position? And why in this pressure, unpopular uh, setting to tell the truth about salvation, why did I preach what the word says? It's because I know that I'm gonna give an account to God for how I influence the people who are in that room. And that's exactly what Paul is telling Timothy in this scripture. I just wanna... Say this really quickly and then I'll move on. Our motive in preaching the word and speaking the truth in love is this you know, it's because we tell, we would tell people, because I love God. And I genuinely care about you. I want to communicate the truth to you clearly so that you are equipped to make wise choices. Listen, you may be mocked. You may be persecuted right in this age for, for doing that. But when you stand before the Lord at the judgment, he will honor you and celebrate you and reward you forever and ever because you were a person who spoke the truth of what God teaches in his word. In Matthew 5, 19, Jesus said, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Listen, I want to be great in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus says, one of the ways you to do that is you have to obey the teachings of Jesus, but we need to teach others and exhort them to obey the teachings of Jesus. So I want to just end by praying this prayer. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would anoint everyone listening to this episode to communicate your word clearly to others so that they are strengthened in their faith. I ask that as we do, you would cause their hearts to burn with desire for Jesus and his kingdom as we explain the scriptures to them. Give us boldness and an excellent spirit to faithfully preach the word of God accurately when it is popular and when it is unpopular. I decree in my heart, I set my heart, Father, help us to faithfully speak your word in difficult settings when those situations arise. In Jesus' name, amen. In the training segment today, I am continuing a series of trainings about living in sexual purity that I have been covering. Uh, for the past several podcast episodes that I've recorded. Here is a quick recap of what I've covered so far concerning how to walk in sexual purity. First, I talked about radical repentance is required. That's the beginning place of victory over the spirit of immorality. And what I mean by radical repentance is that we are declaring all out war against the spirit of immorality with no truces and no peace treaties. We're gonna set our hearts to do whatever it takes to live in absolute purity, to honor God with our lives. This radical repentance and setting of our heart uh, to war against immorality is the beginning of victory. Number two, I talked about maintaining a victorious mindset, remembering that as we genuinely seek to walk in purity, we to remember that God is delighting in us. As we war against immorality, even before we break through into complete victory. So you may be like God. I hate immorality. I'm. I say yes to purity. I. I no compromise. And then you might stumble and you 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 meditate on a thought that you shouldn't have entertained, or you you see something and watch something that you sh- you, you know you shouldn't have. And afterward, your heart convicts you, or and you're God. I hate that I did that. I hate, I repent. God, cleanse me. Help me not to do that anymore. It's so important to re. Remember that as you war against it, Uh, Even before you break through into where you're living in purity 100% of the time, God is delighting in you and He's proud of you and He's rejoicing with you and He's helping you overcome even as you war against it before you break through into uh, total victory. And third, I talked about we have to expect to win in the war against immorality. You know, the Bible says, I have everything that we have everything we need for life and godliness. The grace of God there is uh, gives us everything we need to live in purity. So we have this mentality that I'm not just going through the motions of trying to overcome immorality. I am going to overcome. If I persevere, God is going to help me. He who is in me is greater than, him that, than he that's in this world. I for sure will overcome and be victorious if I'll just keep persevering and doing what is right. And then finally, I talked about to being wise in what we feed our minds. And we need to guard our thought life, the things we watch, the things we listen to, the movies, music, uh, YouTube videos, podcasts, the things we read. We don't want to feed our mind uh, on things that stimulate lustful thinking within us. And so that we talked about that in the last podcast. What I want to do in this podcast is I want to talk about how to utilize the grace of confession. So here's where I learned this. Uh, my, my, within the first several months of being married, I'm this newly married guy. I'm totally passionately in love with my wife. I'm so thankful to Jesus for, uh, for giving me such a godly woman to be married to. And I, and I, and I just realized I have to never again uh, yield to lust. I want to be faithful to God. I want to be faithful to my wife. I never want to compromise again. And I was desperately seeking the Lord, God help me, give me grace, teach me your word, help me to never sin again in this way so that I can be totally faithful to my wife and totally faithful to you in this area. And as I was seeking the Lord in that season of my life, the Holy Spirit began to teach me about the grace of confession. So here's what I mean by the grace of confession. You know, it says in James chapter five, to confess your sins to one another and pray for each other that you may be healed. Now, confession, it's not just something we do where um, after I've sinned, I go to a pastor or, or a brother or sister in the Lord and say, I sinned, uh, will you pray that God will forgive me? And, uh, you know, there could be a place for that, but I don't believe that is the primary thing that the Bible talks about when it talks about the grace of confession. So confession is when I'm struggling with temptation. And I, I, I would just say this 98% of the time or so, that's not an exact number, I can fight through temptation by myself just with the Holy Spirit. So maybe a tempting thought comes from the enemy, and I just say, I rebuke that thought in the name of Jesus, and I just begin to worship God, and I just I take authority of the enemy. Devil, get out of here in Jesus' name. I command you to go, and I worship the Lord, and the thought leaves, and I overcome the temptation. I've not sinned. I've done good. I've got victory. But every once in a while, you know, that 2% of the time or whatever it is, um I'm warring against the tempting thought, but it's it's hovering around and it's not quite leaving and it's wearing down my resistance. I'm becoming weary in the fight. And I found that in the past, before I learned about the grace of confession, that 2% of the time is when I would end up stumbling and caving into the temptation eventually after several days or several weeks of trying to resist it. But when I learned about the grace of confession, this is what I do now. That 2% of the time when I'm struggling to overcome the temptation, I call in backup and get them to shoot at the temptation, the the demon with me. And so I'll I'll, I'll get a hold of a brother in Christ, or I'll go to my wife and I'll say, listen, I'm being tempted with this thought. Will you agree with me in prayer right now that that this thing will leave and that I'll have victory over this? And, And then they agree with me in prayer. And every single time that I've done that, I always get victory over it. So utilizing, you know, see, I found this, this is the principle. So remember this. Secret temptation loses its power when it is dragged out. Secret temptation loses its power when it is dragged out into the open. And so uh that is true. And so when you're struggling with temptation, and you can overcome most of the time just you and the Holy Spirit. But that 2% or 5% of the time when you're it's not going away and you feel like you're about to cave in, don't just yield to it. Call in backup. Get a hold of a brother or sister in Christ. Guys, you should get a hold of a brother in Christ. If you're a girl, get a hold of a sister in Christ and confess your struggle to them and then get them to agree in prayer with you. And then together, both of you get your spiritual guns out and shoot that demon until it leaves. That's what it means uh, to utilize the grace of confession. So I encourage you to do this. This has taken me from living victorious most of the time to living victorious all of the time. This simple tool of utilizing the grace of confession. So I wanna just make this statement too. It is wise to call in the backup before you lose, rather than always waiting till after you are defeated. So I remember, you know, at different times, you know, I'd be mentoring different guys, and I remember, you know, uh, one guy for years I was mentoring him, and he he would he would call me up after he sinned. And he'd be like, man, I just want to let you know I sinned. And um, I was like, okay. So I helped pick him up and get him going again. Well, this went on for a long time over and over again. And then he did it again. And finally I asked him, I said, why did you wait until after you sinned to tell me this, that you were struggling with this? And, And the reason why is because he wanted to do it and then just say he was sorry afterward. I was like, you know what? If if you're serious about overcoming this thing, call me before you give in to the temptation. And so what I do with guys I'm mentoring is I'll tell them, I said, if you're struggling and you're about to be overcome, you can just text me. Just text me a text message that says, pray for me. I'll know exactly what you're talking about. And I will pray for you that right then that God will help you overcome the temptation. And then I'll call you up the next morning and ask you how how you did last night. And you know, that just empowers people to jump over that hurdle and live in victory. And so I would encourage you is utilize the backup, utilize the accountability partner before you fall, not just after you fall. That way you don't have to fall because our goal is to live in 100% purity all the time because God has given us the grace to do it. So in the next podcast, I'm going to talk about how to create an empowering culture of purity in your home and in your church. But before I move on, I want to give you an action step. I'm going to ask you this, who do you know That would be a good accountability partner for you that you could go to when you're struggling with temptation and get them to agree in prayer with you to help you overcome. I just want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd bring to mind right now of those who are listening to this podcast, bring people to their mind that they could go to and that would be a good accountability partner for them. In Jesus name, amen. And let me just make this about when you're looking for a person to confess your sins to an accountability partner. Um, First of all, you want to find somebody who's uh, a if you're a, a man a another man a woman confess to another woman, okay? And unless, you know, I, I'm a man and I'm married and I can go to my wife. My, my wife can handle this. She's a great accountability partner for me. I go to her often, probably more than anybody else. I go to her and she agrees with me in prayer and and, and helps me overcome. But um, you want to look for somebody as an accountability partner that is mature enough that they're not going to be shocked when you come to them and say, man, I'm struggling with this temptation. You don't want them to be like, oh, what's wrong with you, pastor? Or what's wrong with you, whoever you are? You know, I thought you were a mature believer. I can't believe you're being tempted with that. And you know, that's just uh, immature thinking right there. Uh, Pastors and leaders, ministry leaders, mature believers are not above being tempted. It's just that we war against the temptation until we overcome. And we utilize the grace of confession and other biblical tools to live in victory and overcome the enemy. And so you want to find somebody who's mature enough that they're not going to be like, I can't believe you're being tempted with that because we're all tempted at different times with different things. At the same time, I find that there's also people out there that are not very good accountability partners because they're like, oh yeah, well, we all struggle with stuff and they kind of, they don't really challenge you to overcome and live in holiness. And I, you know, I don't want somebody to just tell me, oh Jeff, yeah, I understand. It's no big deal. Hey, we all stumble. We all fall. I'm like, you know what? That is not helping me. I I don't want that. it, It is a big deal. It's a huge deal to God. Jesus died on the cross to deliver me from the sin. It's a huge deal. I do not want to yield to it. My family's at stake, my ministry's at stake, my eternity's at stake and the glory of God, the testimony of Jesus through my life is at stake. I want to live in victory. So I want somebody who takes it seriously yet is mature enough uh, to uh, relate to me with grace knowing that it's not a sin to be tempted. Anyway, I hope that's helpful to you. Let me move into the final segment. In the final segment today, it's the resource segment. And what I want to do is I want to give you a recommended resource uh, to help you uh, grow in your walk with Jesus. And I want to just tell you, my, uh, my wife um, has a website and it's called unlockingyourdreams.org. It's an amazing website. It's ministering to people literally from all over the world. My wife is super prophetically gifted. And in particular, God has really given her grace and wisdom to understand uh wh- what God is saying to us in dreams and through visions. You know, many times when God gives us a a prophetic dream or a prophetic vision, he speaks to us in parables. And so we need to prayerfully with the Holy Spirit's help, according to the scriptures, we need to be able to interpret what he's saying to us and have wisdom on how to apply that in our lives so that we can be edified by the message that he's speaking to us through that dream or through that vision. And if you're one who God's speaking to you in dreams and you're just like, I know this this is a dream from God. I just don't understand what he's saying. Or maybe uh, you're one and you're like, man, I want to receive dreams and visions from the Lord. And I I want to encourage you to go to this website, unlockingyourdreams.org. And you can look around, read the articles on there, but my wife teaches, I think it's a five or six hour seminar on biblical dream interpretation. You can listen to it for free on her website. Also, she has the manual that that goes along uh, with it. You can download it and read it for free from her website. Or if you'd rather have your own hard copy to, to purchase and read and make notes in, uh, you can purchase it on her website uh, through amazon.com um and and have it for yourself but this is an excellent resource it's really really helped me uh hear the what the lord is saying to me in dreams and in visions and uh helped uh increase the prophetic grace in my own life and i've 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 watched it do it for my church i've watched it do it for tons of people honestly um around the world and so it's an excellent resource i highly recommend it this is a season Uh, we need to be hearing what the Lord is speaking to the churches. And uh, he speaks in dreams. He speaks in visions as well as many other ways. And it's important not to miss what he's saying to us there. So I encourage you to check that out. And I know it's going to be a blessing to you. So thank you for listening to this podcast today. I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast on either iTunes or SoundCloud and then share it with other revivalists that you know. And check back in with us for our next episode. God bless you.